Matthew 21, verses 18 and 19, where the Bible said, Now in the morning, as Jesus, he and Jesus returned into the city, can y'all read the next two words with me? He hungered. Did you know that God has an appetite? Verse 19, And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Today my assignment is to preach to you this message called Fruitful or Finished. Thank you. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Jesus was human. I like what, the way one preacher said it. When I was growing up, my pastor would always say he was 100% man and he was 100% God. And so, yes, our Lord who made the rivers thirst. Our Lord who made the food chain for, uh, to feed us hungered. I want you to grip that in your heart this morning. If you went over to the woman at the well, Jesus uh, said, I must needs go through Samaria because there was a woman that he was going to save by his grace. Amen. And uh, so while the disciples were out running errands to find the closest McDonald's, and let's say amen, and uh, bring some food, uh, by the time they got back, Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Jesus was hungry more for saving sinners than he was for eating a Big Mac. Amen. Jesus was hungry for the will of the Father. We know that in the garden when Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be done. And so we know that Jesus, when he hungered, he was looking for something to satisfy his craving. But Jesus only had holy cravings. Jesus only had pure cravings. He, uh, he was tempted like as all men, yet without sin. So he didn't look for cheap substitutes to satisfy his hunger and his thirst like so many do today. And in this text, Jesus comes up, he's physically hungry, ready to grab something to eat. Now keep in mind, the Bible teaches us that by Jesus and for Jesus, all things were created. So this fig tree he walked up to, he created it. Jesus designed that fig tree to produce fruit. But when he walked up to it with hunger and expectation, he found no fruit. It did not meet his hunger in that moment. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus rebuked the fig tree and placed the curse upon it and withered up immediately. And so I want to point out three things quickly. Then I want to give you the, the meat of the message this morning. Amen, people. So first I see divine expectations. Note that he hungered and know that we too are designed to bear fruit for our Lord. If the Lord were to come to you to inspect fruit on your tree, would he find the fruit of the Spirit of God? This is a vitally important question. Would he find evidence 
that the Holy One of Israel lives on the inside of us. I would like to submit to you this morning the truth that if there is no fruit, then there must be no root. Oh, anybody can produce an artificial appearance of fruit, to, but then when you grab it to eat it, it's a plastic fruit. Has anybody ever accidentally tried to eat a, a plastic ornament off of somebody's kitchen table? If you're with me, say amen. There's nothing more disappointing than grabbing something you think is going to be delicious, putting it between your teeth, and then spitting it out saying, man, I didn't know that was artificial, amen. And the devil is so good at camouflaging the artificial. He's so good at it, in fact, that he has convinced many church pew warmers that they're saved because they have fruit, quote unquote. You go to church, isn't that fruit that you're saved? You've been baptized, isn't that fruit that you've been saved? You've served the church for 20 years, isn't that fruit that you've been saved? Not necessarily. It might look like Jesus taught this principle when he said that the devil would sow tares among the wheat. Jesus said, don't bother trying to separate the tares from the wheat because they look so identical that you will not have enough discernment to know the difference between the two. I tell you what you do, you let them grow together and I'll sort them out on judgment day. Amen. And so it's our business to love God, to love people and let God be the judge of everyone. But we get in trouble when we declare ourselves to be God's divine fruit inspectors and accessors and we declare judgments over people as if we really know their hearts. Mm -hmm. God help us to understand that Jesus knows what is real fruit and what is not. I, I, I get disturbed sometimes when we often brag about how gifted we are in the Spirit of God and oh I have the gift of this or I have the gift of that and we can just talk about how God's using us uh, and then we get mean and ugly and nasty and I, my thought here recently, the Lord has spoken to me about this and said that if you claim to have the gifts of the Spirit, but you have not the fruit of the Spirit, then it could be that you have neither. Because who can say that they love God, but yet they hate their brother? That's what the Word of God teaches. So we're talking about fruit this morning. We're talking about and comparing our lives to the fig tree. And we need to understand that there are divine expectations. That's why we were given the law of Moses. To teach us not how we can be righteous in our deeds. But to show us our unfruitfulness and our unrighteousness without the aid of a divine Savior. Amen. And so we are found cursed under the law. We are declared guilty under the law. The Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not one, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we rely on our fruit, we will leave God hungry every time. If God were to be pleased with us, could he come to our tree and find pleasant fruit for his appetite, or would he have to uh, identify that we are actually modeling the place of a curse because we have no fruit to bear. So we see there are divine expectations. Number two, I want to say that 
there is also divine interruptions. Look at verse 19 of our text again. When he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Jesus came to this tree. He knew what he created it to do. But because of the curse of sin, that tree was not producing but like he originally designed it to produce. So he interrupted its repetitive cycle of fruitlessness. And aren't you glad for the day that Jesus interrupted your repetitive cycle of fruitlessness? I remember I was only 11, but I thought I was saved by the grace of God. But I had not the Spirit of God living within. I had not the gifts of the Spirit, nor the fruit of the Spirit to show for. And the Bible says, Hereby we do know that we are the children of God, because He hath given us of His Spirit. But I did not have the Spirit of God living within. I thought I did. But I did it, and the Lord did not allow me to go on in my repetitive cycle of fruitlessness. But he interrupted my schedule to show me that my fruit, that my tree had no fruit, and that I needed Jesus in my life. Amen. I'm glad to say that God often interrupts us when we are on our own pathway to fruitlessness and destruction. This is especially true if you claim to be a child of God. The Bible says if you say that you're His but He doesn't discipline you, then you are an illegitimate child according to the Word of God. You're not even His if God don't interrupt you and correct you whenever you're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit of God in your life. It ought to bother us when we are uh, contradicting the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It ought to trouble us, but some people get a kick out of it and actually thrive on drama and anything they can do. Saul, Saul, why kickest thou against the pricks? God the Holy Ghost as Saul, formerly, uh, also now known as Paul the Apostle. Uh, he was on his road to Damascus uh, and he was ready to kill Christians uh, and God interrupted his fruitlessness and said boy you think you're religious boy you think I'm paraphrasing a little bit is that alright with everybody you think you've got it going on uh, but you're resisting me you're resisting the Holy Ghost uh, and that day he smote him with blindness and sent him to someone in the church uh, who had the gift of leading him to the Lord and recovering his blind blindness because God interrupted that cycle of fruitfulness fruitlessness rather. And if you're His, He's going to do that. If a church belongs to Jesus, then Jesus is going to prune the fruit tree. Jesus is going to interrupt our regularly scheduled programs that bear no fruit unto God. Can somebody help me this morning Amen. preach this message? I'm glad for divine interruptions where Jesus steps up and He curses what we have blessed because He wants to Bless what has cursed us. Can somebody say amen? Jesus wants to turn the tide. Jesus wants to bless. Jesus wants to conquer. Jesus wants to bear fruit under righteousness through us. But sometimes in order to do that, he's got to interrupt that repetitive cycle of fruitlessness. So here's my note. 
He denied direction. That, that fruitless tree, I'll call it, is supposed to bear fruit. It was just going to go right on like it always had. Right. Jesus said, nope. You were created to bear fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, you're wasting space, dry up and die. God didn't create anything to not bear fruit. God's a fruitful God. God wants the church to reproduce. God wants the church to grow. Never in anywhere in the Bible you find where God called a church to be at a plateau or in decline in their growth, numerically or spiritually. Because as long as there are sinners that have not received Christ as Savior, we still have a mission to reach the lost at all costs. And he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I just wonder if Jesus came up to the average fig tree church today, if you find any fruit that symbolizes the working of the Holy Spirit in that congregation. Divine interruptions. Thank God that when Jesus finds lack in his church as he so commonly did in the book of Revelation when he addressed the, the seven churches of Asia he would commend them for their efforts but he would never dodge the issues that each specific church had because he was pruning he was taking away those dead branches he was he was cultivating the ground, saying strengthen those things which remain. You've lost and left your first love. Come on back to me. There's still hope. There's still hope for the hopeless. There's still healing for the hurting. The church still has purpose. Come on. Don't get distracted. Don't fall in love with this world and forget why I called you and why I put you. And he would rebuke the churches in love, but sternly so that he could prune them so that they could produce more fruit for him. Right. Divine interruptions. We pray for revival until God sends revival in a way that we don't like. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, whoa, 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 we say in our heart to the Holy Spirit, if we're not careful, we'll send a signal to God, Lord, we didn't want it that way. We want it this way, and if we're not careful, we'll grieve the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus walked off from this barren, fruitless fig tree, so the Holy Spirit has walked off from many a church who refused to let the Holy Spirit of God bear His fruit among them. Divine interruptions. I pray for it. I fast for it. I weep for it. I give for it and I bleed for it because I've seen the fruitless results of man-made religion and it has left our houses wanting and desolate and it has filled our colleges with former pre a former evangelical children who rejected their faith when they got to college because mom and daddy never took their Christianity seriously. So why should they? And we brag on our temples. We brag on our programs. We brag on this and we brag on that. When Jesus walks up and he can't find a fruit among us. Oh, Jesus will interrupt us. Trouble us. To produce fruit. He'll dig around us. He told the one vineyard, 
Don't cut it down yet. Dig around it, put dung in it. Oh, we don't want to be humble. We don't want to be brought to our knees. We don't want to be brought that low. It's a picture of humility. Amen. Fertilize that sucker. Amen. Give it two or three years to survive. And then if it don't bear fruit. I'm glad for God's patience, aren't you? I'm glad for His spaces of grace. That He so cautiously and graciously and patiently gives us time after time. Time after time to repent of our fruitlessness. Oh, but could there be a time in our lives where the Holy Spirit, even though we're saved, may not ever bother us again to serve Him because He knows that we've said no too many times and we will refuse to listen to His leading. Disruptions, interruptions. But hold on, it gets better. I'll let you up for oxygen, amen. Let me say thirdly, there's a divine manifestation that he wants to bring about. The one switch, not to the fig at this moment, but now to the vine. John chapter 15 and verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same Bringeth forth much fruit, for without me he can do. If I know what it says, nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. If you want to know the authenticity of a servant of God, visibly look for fruit. It was sad for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Brother Chris, because Jesus did miracles in front of them all day long, every day, just about it. Jesus said you can discern the time, you know what you can predict the weather, but you can't discern the spiritual time. I mean, it basically they missed their moment with God. Because they were so stuck on religious rut and routine that when Jesus would heal somebody on the Sabbath day, instead of recognizing the wondrous works of God, celebrating God, saving a sinner, here's what they had to say about it. I can't believe he did that on the Sabbath day. And I'm like, are you serious? He just opened the eyes of a blind man, something you've never been able to do nor ever seen in your lifetime. And the only critique you can offer is, well, he should have done it this way. And God wants to open our eyes. But God does not ask our permission when he seeks to save the lost. He simply says, I've got the plan we should just follow his plan. Yeah. Let him lead. Somebody say amen right there. And so we see that God wants to manifest fruit. But I want you to notice, and I'm saying a very important point here. He's the vine. We do not produce fruit. We simply bear it. <laughs> oh, this is good right here, y'all. He produces we bear. That's right. A branch cannot bear fruit of its own. The Bible teaches this. It's the vine, the main line. 
Yes. And as long as you're hooked up to Him, you will carry that the, the source of that fruit is not stemming from you. It's stemming from the vine, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that's why He teaches that if we don't bear fruit, we're not connected to the vine. Very simple principle. Hard for people to admit sometimes that they could be disconnected from Jesus altogether if they bear absolutely no indicators of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. So he wants a divine manifestation. Now, I want to shift your focus for a few minutes and I'll try to bring this to a close because we've got a baptism right after the message this morning. Praise God. Amen. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 18. Now this is where it's going to get real good. And I need you to put your shouting shoes on because somebody might want to shout. Amen. I'm glad that God didn't leave us to our own demise and he did not leave us without a plan. Amen. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 18. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so he that waiteth, so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Let's read it one more time. We're in Proverbs 27, verse 18. Whoso keepeth the fig tree, the word keepeth there means to watch, to protect, to guard, and to preserve. It's the idea of a gardener taking care of his plants, like a farmer that makes sure that his fruit trees are bearing fruit. And he does whatever it takes to make that happen. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. Yeah. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. If, if you look at that second part, he that waiteth on his master. Yeah. Uh, that word waiteth comes from a Greek word which means to hedge about as with thorns. It shows a prickly protection. For the master's sake. Now, I don't know if I can do this adequately enough. I know I can't without the Lord's help. That's why I asked my family to pray for me that I can get this right. But I thought about who else was hedged about with thorns? Who? Who else was about his master's father's business? Who else? Had no other option but to undergo the thorny crown to do his father's will, to protect his father's plan. None other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So I submit to you to look at this fig tree we opened up with this morning in a different perspective. I think it's a prophetic symbolism of our hopelessness without Christ and our need for him to produce the fruit. In our lives. And I'm going to show it to you. Just hang with me a few more minutes. Amen. I'm excited. Are you excited? Say amen. Genesis 3, 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. There's that fig tree again. Wow. And made themselves aprons. Uh, and you remember the story. Adam and Eve fell into sin. They disobeyed God. They partook of the forbidden fruit. And so their... Uh, their uh, Solution was to uh, enter into the works of man, and that was the first indicator of man-made religion right there in the book of Genesis. 
where they sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. And it wasn't satisfying to God because God not only saw their physical nakedness, now He saw the nakedness of their soul as they lay bare and corrupt before a holy and incorruptible God. And so God did not receive their covering as an adequate covering. And so what did the Lord do? He killed an animal and He made a skin. The first picture and type of the Lord Jesus Christ who as a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world would be slain so that we could be covered from all of our sins and made clean in the eyes of God. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. Interesting thing. Verse 18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. This was the result of the curse of sin. The reason we have briars and thorns in our gardens today is because of the curse of sin. Somebody say amen. And, and, and I see the thorns and the thistles. And verse 23, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep. Wait, where did we just see that word? Proverbs, same word, same Hebrew word, which means to hedge about as with thorns, to keep the way of the tree of life. What mercy for God to block Adam and Eve from the tree of life in the garden. Because God knew something that we did not know. That if Adam and Eve partook of the tree of life in the garden, it would not have been sufficient for their soul to be redeemed. They would have lived forever in the flesh. But never still. And they would still have been disconnected. From the spirit of God. And they would still been unholy. And unrighteous. And unable to fellowship with the holy God. So from the beginning God. Hedged about the tree of life. And said I've got a better plan than this. I, I will not let man fix his own self. I will not let man fix bring himself to his own aid. Because it will fail every time. So I'm going to block him from the garden. And I'm going to finish my work at Calvary. Amen. The tree of life. Amen. Woo, are you seeing the connection? Say amen. amen. Oh, this is getting good. I ain't done yet. He drove them. What mercy that he drove them from the garden to protect his plan of redemption. Remember what Jesus said. Open the text. Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And I told you we need to liken that unto fruitless man without the aid of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 teaches? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I can imagine how broken hearted God was to drive his own children from the tree of life. But I can also imagine how gleeful he was when the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. And the Holy Spirit as if to say, come one, come all, partake of the tree of life. Uh, if you will partake of his waters, you'll never thirst again. Amen. Think of the hedge of thorns upon his head as he became the curse so that you can become blessed by God's redemption plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now here's a few little 
Doesn't feel feel your backs about the fig tree. That you might need to know this morning. The fig tree and its fruit, figs, have been used for a wide variety of purposes throughout history. Some of which include food. That's obvious. You know what Jesus said? John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. We can do it our way and be hungry still. Or we can do it God's way and never hunger or thirst again. Medicine. The fig tree has been used in traditional medicine for its healing properties. The latex sap of the tree was used to treat a variety of ailments including skin conditions, respiratory problems, and digestive issues. Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 22 says, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? I ask every church in America and around today, is there no hope in the gospel? Is there no solutions in the word of God? Why then uh, does the daughter or the bride rather of Christ suffer? And, uh, and why are we not healed? Some biblical scholars believe that the balm of Gilead referred to in the book of Jeremiah may have actually been a reference to the fig tree and its sap, which was also valued for its healing properties in ancient times. The fig tree was a common tree in the region and its latex sap was used as a natural remedy for a variety of ailments. So it made me think of Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. When he who became, uh, knew no sin, he became a curse for us. The Bible said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. I tell you, this morning he cursed the fig tree which symbolized us and he stepped up into that position and took the curse upon himself so that he could trade places with you. What a trade this morning. I, I might have should have titled my message, What a Trade. What a trade, what a trade. That the King of Glory would swap places with foulest of sinners and say, I'll take the curse so that you can take the blessing. Somebody needs to shout at Medicine. Medicine. Not only that, but mm, clothing. And I'm not talking about the fig leaves, though that could be applicable. We've already declared what that's symbolic of. But listen, in ancient times, the fig tree's bark was used to make clothing, shoes, and other textiles. The bark, are you listening? Was stripped from the tree. I thought about how this stripped our blessed Lord's skin from his ribcage with the cat of nine tails. And they stripped the tree of life of its bark. It said it was soaked in water. I thought about how that from his side flowed forth blood and water as it was prophesied. And the Bible said, and, and the historical, they said uh, the skin of the bark of the tree was then beaten to produce a soft, pliable material. He took the beating so he could be gentle, so that he could be healing. 
Oh, the Lord takes his sword out, and yes, a two-edged sword. It'll devour whom it needs to devour, but, it only, but it'll heal whom it needs to heal. God doesn't typically cut to heal. He cuts to heal, and I'm glad that he was beaten so that the grace of God, so that, so that the character of God would be tenderized through his grace, and he can approach us as a holy God and give what we need for healing. Otherwise, when we step into his presence, we'll be abolished immediately. He took our beating. Oh, and I thought about Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him smitten, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And many that day laughed at him, mocked at him, said, Heal thyself. They assumed him to be just another common sinner. They assumed him to be worthy of the stripes that he bore. They assumed that God must be angry with him, that he has paid his just reward for his sins. Considering him stricken and smitten of God, not understanding that Jesus may have been smitten by the Father, but not for his sin, but for your sin and for my sin. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If under the law they died without mercy under two or three witnesses, how much more, how much a sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy and have trampled underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and have put him to an open shame. If there's anybody that deserves our allegiance, our allegiance is Jesus. If there's anybody that deserves our praise, it's Jesus. If there's anybody that deserves giving us orders and us just saying, yes, sir, it's Jesus Christ. And God forbid that we substitute Jesus with somebody else because no one is worthy to open the scroll. No one is worthy to receive praise and honor and glory and majesty in the kingdom. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. God's not taking orders. He's giving orders. And Jesus has every right. He's bought his position with his own blood. And the Father set him right there on the right hand of his majesty on high and gave him all the powers for all of the universe. And so who are we? Who are we to say to the one that took our place? I cannot do what you've asked me to do. Clothing. He clothed me with his righteousness. He covered me in his blood. Now I'm not naked before God. Now I'm not hopeless before. Now when he sees me, he sees the blood of the Lamb. I, I, know, I know some people think that when they, when they see you or when they see me, they, they have a condescending look and a, a bad attitude about you. They declare all kinds of junk against you. But if you're under the blood of Jesus, who cares what anybody thinks or says? Amen. All that matters is what God says. Serve the Lord with kindness and singleness of heart. He has clothed me in his righteousness. That's okay if other people don't see it because God sees it. They pay yeah. it. Woo! Hallelujah. And then there's shelter. And the fig tree's large leaves and sturdy branches have been used to construct shelter and temporary dwellings. 
The branches were woven together to create a lattice-like structure that could be covered with other materials such as palm fronds or animal skins. In the book of Exodus chapter 33 and verse 22, when Moses asked the Lord to see him, and he said, I can't let you see my face, but if, I'll, if you'll let me hide you over here in the cliff of the rock, I'll pass by and I'll remove my hand so you can see my hinder thoughts because if you see my face uh, you'll melt in my presence it'll destroy you and I'm glad that he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock and because I'm in Jesus I can now behold the face of my father because his righteousness shelters me from the wrath of almighty God Amen. I'm glad that I'm protected by almighty God this morning and I'm sheltered beneath the arms of his love and then uh, the last quality I want to point out and perhaps the most significant is, did you know that the fig tree's wood was used, so I'm told, uh, as fuel for the burnt sacrifices of the Old Testament? The wood burns slowly and produces a pleasant fragrance. The Bible said in Isaiah 53 and verse 10 of our Lord, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the trail, travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant, Jesus Christ, justify many, for he shall bear their Iniquities, And I'm glad to announce to you that Jesus didn't just teach us uh, to become living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, referring to God being an all-consuming fire. But Jesus laid himself on the altar. Not only did he become the sacrifice itself, but he also symbolized the wood beneath the sacrifice as he was nailed to a cross. Uh, and his, the wrath of God was poured out on the Son of God so that you and I could accept him as a our Savior and escape the wrath to come. But you must come through Jesus or you will not come at all. Amen. The wrath of God. We can be protected from. And then I thought about this verse. Now remember my title, Fruitful or Finished. Now I'm fixing to give you a plot twist. Because it's not what you think. John 19.30 when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Jesus declared those three words. And when he declared those words, the sacrifice was provided. God finished his sacrificial work. And I believe for every man, woman, boy, and girl that places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance of their sin and faith in Him receives these words declared over the salvation of their soul. It is finished. I'm glad that when I was not fruitful, the Lord was not finished. Amen. I'm glad whenever I was unbarren. I mean, barren. I was, I'm glad when I was fruitless. I, I'm glad that when my life was a waste. I'm glad that when I was rebellious to the things of God, 
that God's work was not finished with me yet. And somebody in this room needs to know you may, you may be embarrassed and ashamed of who you are and what you've done. You may have given up on yourself. You might even think you ain't worth shooting. But let me tell you about somebody, amen, who said this, I'm not finished with you yet. I'm ready to save you. I'm ready to redeem you. I'm ready to declare the finished work of Calvary over your soul. You must give your heart and life to Jesus right. Christ in order to do that. But God can take an old, dirty, rotten sinner, clean him up and fill him with purpose and put joy down in his soul, a pep in his step, a song in his mouth, and a purpose for living. Amen. I'm telling you, when God does something, He finishes what He does. Are you fruitful or finished? You need to be finished so you can be fruitful. You say, what do you mean, brother? Yeah, I mean this. When Christ became my substitute, I was finished. I was done for. I was finished with Gary Cole. I died to self. And now Christ lives in me. And His fruit is born on my branches. Because He turned the place of the curse into a place of blessing. One of the most amazing qualities of a fig tree historically is this ability to grow in harsh and dry environments and to produce fruit even in difficult conditions. The fig tree has been cultivated for thousands of years in many different parts of the world and has been valued for its hardiness, its resilience, and its adaptability. And so we look to the cross today which has stood the test of time. We look to Christ who has stood the test of time and eternity. We look to the purity of the Lamb of God, amen, uh, uh, who endured hardness. Uh, uh, we look to the one uh, who was able to flourish under any and every condition and circumstance that you could throw at him. Uh, they crucified him and put him in a grave and out he popped three days later bearing the fruit of God. Amen. Uh, you cannot destroy what God decides to do because of the power of the blood of Jesus. And even from the cross, in that place of the curse, he could not produce anything but the fruit of righteousness. He was so pure. Yeah. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when he could have called 12 legions of angels, I believe the Bible teaches, if my memory serves me correctly, which is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels to rescue him, and he would have ever been just in doing so. Angels stood at attention for his wait, for his beckoning call. They were on, on ready, ready to go. The military of heaven was in high alert as they wept and watched the Lamb of God suffer and die a cruel death that he did not deserve. Ready to come to his aid, but not able to do so without his command. And Jesus, as a lamb before his slaughter, uh, before his shears is done, so he opened not his mouth. When he could have defended himself, he let his righteousness before his father defend him. And now people who reject the cornerstone and they refuse to humble, bow and humble themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they may do so in boldness and cockiness and arrogance today as if they're going to get the last laugh of one day. 
the, 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 the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And Jesus Christ was not only the Lamb of uh, the Lamb of God, now He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And though He was meek and lowly, He's not weak. Uh, and He's all powerful and He's omniscient. He, he's omnipresent. And I'm telling you, we are given a name which is above every name that is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it will behoove us as His children to bow both knees to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and everything we say and do. And, and my friend, if you're here today lost without God, I would encourage you right now to come to start playing the song of invitation. I want you to come down right now start, and, and I'll take my Bible and show you. How that you can have a walk with God and know that your sin debt's forgiven. Would you stand your feet every head bowed? Every eye closed for just a few moments. We're going to give someone an opportunity to come give their heart and life to Jesus. Listen, uh, God's not done yet. You may have given up on yourself, but Jesus finished the work that you can take full advantage of if you'll just come to Him. I invite you to come. Give your heart and life to Jesus right now. Why wait? Why wait? Don't let them pass you by. Don't let them walk on by. If you're a child of God this morning, you need to pray and you need to talk to the Lord about some things. You just come on up. Don't be bashful or shy about it. You just call on the Lord and do business with the Holy Ghost as He touches your heart. You might need to pray for somebody else in the building that needs to give their life to Jesus. You might need to pray for a struggling church member. You might, you might need to pray uh, uh, for your own heart, for your own health. Uh, we all have struggles. We all have needs. But may we go to the one. May we go to the one this morning who is our food, who is our medicine, who is our clothing. He's our shelter. He's our fuel. Uh, he's our everything. Would you come to Jesus as they sing? So love that's calling There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands Everything you're going through But you keep standing at a distance Thank you. 